The Great Canadian Talk Show. There's only a couple of watts, but I brought the truth to everyone within three blocks of the west side of campus. No way! Yes way! And now, let's get right down to business with Marty Gold. Welcome to the Great Canadian Talk Show Podcast. This is episode 30 of season 3. I'm Marty Gold. Uh, we're going to be continuing with season 3 up until uh, basically New Year's New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. Uh, next year we will kick off season 4, but I've decided we're going to continue to number things this way for now. I want to thank you all for joining me increasingly. Uh, there are uh, repeat customers, people who've come on board over the course of the last couple of months and are getting the hang of it. And there are those of you also that have been listening, following the Great Canadian Talk Show, as well as our TV alter ego when we were on Shaw TV, City Circus, going back to 2006, 7, 8. A lot of you hopped on board, and we're going to continue to uh, pull this train down the track, uh, get some truth and some honesty out there in terms of the Winnipeg media, give you perspectives, analysis that are not heard anywhere else, as well as breaking you, uh, breaking Breaking news, rather, uh, that you are going to want to hear information, and uh, that is going to continue through the month of December. We uh, ended off November uh, with a story that I can't say that, and I might have missed something, but I didn't see that on Saturday any media outlets had picked up on the uh, controversy surrounding the uh, Conservative Party of Manitoba, a couple of their MLAs having signed a support letter. Uh, on behalf of a uh, nursing student, fourth-year nursing student at the University of Manitoba, who was a high honcho and a couple of student organizations, and who just simply hates Jews. Uh, and uh, she got suspended, uh, as we recounted, uh, by the University of Manitoba and a couple of MLAs signing a letter of support without realizing exactly who they were supporting. Uh, we reported on that about... Four o'clock, I think, on Friday. We got that out overnight, uh, that episode, uh, and about four uh, last week on Thursday. And I know, I know that I was a little mixed up on my days of the week in that episode, and I thank those of you that uh, forgave me for it, but I, a lot of confusion in my head about which day was which because I managed to lose some sleep last week with this perpetual... Um, Whatever it is going on where I still can't hear anything out of my left ear, but I persevere. In any event, uh, finally an apology uh, appearing online from Abi Khan at 4 o'clock. He has not made uh, the Tory finance critic. He has not made anybody happy with this apology for his signing the letter of support. Uh, I'm not going to go into that today. Uh, I'm going to wait another day or two and go back to that issue. Uh, one of the issues that is still outstanding is that uh, whereas Richard Pershot, the, the MLA for Selkirk, was very swift to issue an apology uh, and indicate that he had not gotten the background on the individual in question, on the uh, nature of the allegations surrounding her uh, suspension, that uh, uh, thereafter, Heather Stephenson, the Conservative Party leader, had said that both individuals had apologized. This was on Thursday, and Abi Khan didn't apologize for another 28 hours or so after that. So there's a, a lot of reaction from long-term Tories uh, with regards to Abi Khan's uh, handling of this matter, uh, and also he's gotten a lot of uh, blowback 
from uh, from a couple of different directions in the community. So I'm going to pick up on that in a couple of days. Uh, the point is, we follow up these stories, especially the ones we break that one. Stephenson says, Abi Khan apologized for support letter, but he hasn't yet. That one coming out on Thursday, November 30th. Go back into our archive. ActionLine.ca has all the episodes, and you can listen to it. Also, uh, the a couple of days before that, where we looked at the Langside murders... And in particular, our focus was that this completely obliterated any talk about how Winnipeg was one of the most livable cities in the country. Uh, and in fact, the bandwagon uh, lost a lot of cheerleaders almost immediately. Uh, that study or, or study, data-driven report, whatever BS the Globe and Mail used to describe it, uh, came out November 25th. The shootings on, uh, I believe it was November 26th. Uh, and uh, we took that apart uh, completely. An arrest has been made. Um the surviving half of the Felix twins uh, who uh, are were known around West Broadway, as it turns out. Uh, I'm not really clear, and I don't think the police are necessarily clear on some of the connections, how these individuals all end up in the same place at the same time. I'm going to wait another couple of days uh, before revisiting that matter uh, as well. I want to see if there's some other information that has we've gotten that will fall in together, but I will be getting back to that probably in a more... Uh, comprehensive crime courts public safety update that probably around the midweek as well um, once again on saturday a pro hamas march in winnipeg not as violent uh, not violent in the way that they are in toronto uh, or in montreal where there's open calls for bloodshed uh, but it's the uh, the same it's the same racket that's going on across this country. They're anti-West, anti-Canada, anti-Semitic. These are rapidly turning into anti-Christian rallies. Certainly in America, where they disrupted, in New York, where they disrupted the uh, Christmas tree uh, lighting. I think that was uh, uh, at outside the, the Fox News headquarters. They've uh, uh, been marching on Rockefeller Center, which serves Rockefeller's right, because they fund so many, a startling amount of money going from the Rockefeller Fund different uh, directions from within the Rockefeller uh, wealth, have gone towards these uh, anti-Semitic, anti-Western, uh, pro-terrorist organizations. New York Post with an excellent story of that. I'm going to I'm going to tie that together with a, a an explanation that Tristan Hop, Hopper gave in the National Post, a very helpful guide to the terrorist affiliations of some of these groups that have been organizing these events, including in Winnipeg, and our political leadership completely paralyzed. Uh, we always thought there was laws against terrorism, terrorism supporters, but I guess it depends on which terrorists you support and what side of the political sidewalk you are walking on as to whether any action is taken. But thus far, Stompy the Horse hasn't made an appearance anywhere in this country. I guess they're waiting for the bouncy castles to come out. So I'm going to tell you about Tristan Hopper reinforcing things you've heard on this podcast about some of these organizations linked to terror groups that are allowed to operate in Canada with impunity and week after week after week after week disrupt Canadian society and attack Canadian culture as well. An excellent story that I will also relay to you as part of that report about what's gone on at Harvard, where within a month, a Jewish Students Alumni Association, it was shocking they didn't have one in the first place, has been formed with 2,000 members and they are taking action. The... Jewish enrollment at Harvard has declined from about 20% to 5%. The graduating class in 2027 projected to be 5% Jewish. Why are the Jews avoiding Harvard? Is it because so many members of the faculty administration are Jew haters? 
are anti-Semites claiming we're only against policy of Israel. We're only against colonialism. We're only against injustice. So the Jewish graduates of Harvard and other Ivy League schools fighting back in a big-time way. Uh, and I'm going to try to roll that together into a report as well. I'm looking at a situation where I'm going to try to get out a report basically. Every 36-ish hours, uh, more or less, as well, <coughs> while those are are uh, all, uh, uh, you know, uh, updates on recent stories, this episode itself is also going to be an update of a recent story. Uh, chaos in our hospitals and our emergency rooms. I'm going to pick up on that theme. One other local story that I am looking at, the transit union scheduled for a vote uh, they're being briefed on the city's uh, last best contract offer uh, on Sunday and then scheduled to vote. But I've obtained documents, documentation, that indicates that there's some concern about the union leadership being compromised. And that may explain why they're recommending the contract. And yet so many of the rank and file members are opposed to it. Uh, and I'm. I've done a little bit of looking into this, talked to a couple of people that are familiar with transit operations. I'm going to get a little more input on that during the, during the day on Sunday, and I'm going to see if I can break that story, because if, if I can wrap my head around what the allegations are about some members of the union leadership uh, and the nature of a cover-up, it's all pretty disturbing. And transit service is already getting worse by the by the week if not by the day and it isn't going to be getting any better if there's a lack of confidence in the uh, ability of the membership to trust their leadership to be honest brokers i think i can fairly say that uh so lots coming up and that gives me a chance to tell you it's your turn to step to the plate i mentioned to one of our listeners uh who was very complimentary about the Story: The report about uh, the Abi Khan and and the anti-Semitism supporting an anti-Semite guess controversy is a way to put it that the two MLAs found themselves in. And I mentioned that I'm um, we're trying to shore up the year-end budget. And I mentioned we're eighteen hundred dollars short. And I was told to tell you uh, folks in the audience, no, you're seventeen hundred short. And so that contribution has been made. So whether it's two fifty, I've seen all sorts of denominations in the past: a thousand, five hundred, one fifty, two fifty. $100 has passed uh, just uh, this past weekend. Uh, your contributions are vital to continuing what people say is vital work. There is no other media outlet in Winnipeg that is trusted with a lot of the leaks, a lot of the documentation that we receive. There's no other platform in Winnipeg that tells the truth about the nature of these protest marches and the uh, outbreak of anti-Semitism all over this city and this country. No one else reports on it. I'm not compromised by Trudeau. I stand for you. I stand for the community. And those of you that are able to help out, make a donation, whether it's through Interact or through uh, PayPal, or if you want to contact me privately, martygoldlive at gmail.com, uh, or uh, sponsorships open for the various uh, program segments and other things that we have planned for actionline.ca, including a regular actionline memos, the action line memo. Don't know who they're going to come from yet. I don't know who Walter Bennett was. I'll have to look that up. Uh, but December, we need to close that gap 
$1,700 gap right now. Please do what you can to help so that I can continue to churn out the important reports, the important investigations, the important information that you rely on. So when you talk with people, whether it's around the proverbial water cooler, whether you're talking, uh, communicating online with uh, with friends and acquaintances, whether, again, whether it's on social media platforms or the old-fashioned way in person, that you're armed with knowledge and facts and information that they don't have. That you're armed with analysis that no one else provides. And that you're armed with the confidence that the positions that you sort of intrinsically feel this is the right way to think, this is the, the correct point of view on, on certain kinds of social matters, political matters, etc. They're not alone. If you listen to Winnipeg Media, you are. And how many of you folks out there would be ra- labeled as some sort of radical fringe God knows what? Whether you are or not, you get labeled that way. And so I'm urging all of the listeners, whether you're acquainted with me, including those of you from the Jewish community, who I know are listening to these podcasts, both to keep up on what's going on in Winnipeg and to keep up on what's going on in terms of anti-Semitism, Jew hate openly displayed in the streets of Winnipeg on our campuses, the harassment of school children. So I'm asking you, take a moment, think about it, step forward. It's Hanukkah, Hanukkah guilt. It's easy, huh? And every little bit helps, as well as to the rest of you, uh, that uh, many of you have, have made contributions before I'm speaking in particular now. To those of you that maybe would be first-timers, take the step. It's worth it. You won't regret it. I'm always going to be here for you. Right after this break, more, ner- more about nurses being threatened, more mayhem in our hospitals. Manitoba Nurses Union, hearing from a member this past weekend, very disturbing. Mainstream media won't tell you. I will. Back with more of the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast right after this. Because of you, the Great Canadian Talk Show has made headlines for over 15 years and forced important issues to be acknowledged and dealt with. The problem here is that they want everything their own way in every situation. It's unpalatable to the general public, but they're frozen out by the process. There are no subsidies for paying the bills for keeping the government honest. They just see money. Of course, it's your tax dollars, but it's being spent on their pet projects. We're on your side. A lot of these people in special interest groups, they don't bear any relationship to your life out there. They don't have any handle on what your reality is in your neighborhood. Support old-fashioned investigative reporting that matters. The best source of information is not the city councillor. It is this program. And you listeners, support TGCTS today. Back here with part two. Again, a reminder, all episodes of the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast, as well as other stories that are not podcasts, but are, you know, traditional columns, etc., can be found on actionline.ca as well. Uh, I wrote a brief recap of the Obicon controversy for winnipegtribune.ca, uh, and if you go to their website, you can uh, take a look at, at that. It's a simple recap, and it has a link to the podcast uh, as well about that issue. And I am anticipate, I think it's a fair thing to say, I anticipate uh, writing a few more columns going into December with uh, the Trib. Uh, we uh, contributed a, a great number of uh, audio uh, commentaries short commentaries and uh, columns through the provincial election campaign. Uh, And I have reason to believe that I'll be uh, 
diversifying the distribution of my content, opinions, investigations, etc. through the trip once more going into the end of this year. So check it out. WinnipegTribune.ca On November 29th, an email was sent that uh, was uh, sent out that, among other people, I got it. Jeff Keel at CTV got it. This is from an individual who was accompanying somebody at the Seven Oaks Hospital, and they were mortified by what they saw. Now, previously, uh, I reported on, in particular, what has gone on at the, what was going on at the St. Boniface Emergency Room. Chaos at St. B.E.R., far worse than the grace. That was a reference to a story that the free press ran that when you really look at it, it, it tried to sort of deal with it like in a by-the-numbers kind of sense, but didn't talk about uh, about um, some of the behavioral issues uh, that, that were going And maybe they don't go on at the grace, but St. B., plenty of, uh, plenty of violence, uh, plenty of mayhem, uh, and... Uh, I'm going to be swinging back into that. But in this case, the Seven Oaks Hospital, it's uh, this email relates to the wait to the wait times. There was only one doctor on. This would have been, I guess, November 28th is the evening in question. Last, no, I got to think last Tuesday night, I guess. Might have been Tuesday night into Wednesday. Might have been Wednesday into Thursday. Only one doctor on. There are 50 people in the waiting room. By the way, this email says if your staff got out and investigated. I think that was a reference to CTV because I am the staff here with with actionline.ca. You would know they have a second waiting room. I know this because after the the lady, but this would be the person that this uh, listener of our program uh, was with, waited nine hours in the regular waiting room. She got moved to a waiting room behind closed doors and waited there for another six hours. Now, I, I don't know. I mean, it's a waiting room, but it's, you know, defined probably as a after people have been triaged. The point is, 15 hours, I called at 3.15 a.m. to check on my person. They're still in the waiting room, but in the hidden waiting room. The person who answered the phone told me she was very sorry. They had to try not to let the person die in the waiting room chair, but they only have one doctor on duty at night. One doctor on duty at night. Uh, CTV, because I know this wasn't directed to me. Uh, stop reporting fluff. As one day it'll be you, your parents, your kids. Report the truth so Premier Canoe has a chance to fix the real problems. Who? want to give Wab a chance. The bottom line from this uh, listener is that Canada has grown and the government forgot to build hospitals to accommodate it. I, I think that's true to some extent. Uh, I think there's a lot of other factors. I don't know if Winnipeg, I mean, I'm not, I'm not positive Winnipeg needs another hospital because we don't have enough staff to staff the ones we have. Um, I think there's other issues at play. I think there are other parts of the country that probably are in need of hospitals. And, and you know, admittedly, our hospitals, uh, as the previous conservative government pointed out, the Health Sciences Center is uh, aging rapidly. And now the NDP trying to put the brakes on on their promise to, to, to do something to fix that, along with a lot of other promises. All of a sudden, they aren't going to be building schools. They aren't going to be, be uh, uh, expanding the, uh, the or, or relocating, I guess, beds for HSC. The point is, as this listener says, if the government isn't going to build hospitals and get rid of this backlog, backlog, then I would say our government wants all sick people to die. We mean we need more doctors on duty all the time, 24 hours a day. That's uh, pretty much true. But we also need nurses. And who wants to be a nurse in the current working environment? That is the question raised. The letter that the 
Manitoba Nurses Union got, and I, I think this was uh, on Friday that they got it. I'm going to read the letter to you, to y'all. Hello, MNU. I've been a registered nurse for 10 years and have worked in the WHA emergency program for seven of those. I currently work in urgent care. We're a small team. We have great leadership. They're trying hard to make changes. But despite this, I've been going to work anxious and fearful, mostly for night shifts. This is what it used to be like when I was young and you and, and I was driving cab. as young and inexperienced and you drive a night shift. Great way of describing it. Anxious and fearful. Except this is nurses. Here's an excerpt from an email I sent to my manager, wrote this nurse, about recent events at my hospital. They don't identify the hospital. Um, we, we, we could probably make an educated guess. I can honestly, this is a quote, I can honestly say I've never been actually literally scared to come to work for shifts. I'm scared I'm going to be physically injured. I have psychosomatic symptoms, theme about going to work and anxiety before my shift start. We had to call the police last night four separate times and had four patients escorted off the premises by police, two left cuffed. Last week, I called the police every night shift except once for patients who refused to leave the department whom were discharged, who all had histories of violence to ER and uh, urgent care staff. I think as a group, we try to keep it light when talking about it to each other. More recently, we've been having serious conversations about our safety and how scary it is. Patients left due to the vulgarity of other patients last night. I'm going to sidebar there for just a second. That is an increasing problem in the deterioration of civility. And oh, that's a moral judgment. And that's classism. There's white supremacy. Horse crap. There is a right of people to expect a certain decorum in public spaces. We aren't talking about strip bars. We aren't talking about raves. We aren't talking about uh, uh, vaudeville. We're not talking about boxing or wrestling cards. We're not talking about adult venues. We're talking about a hospital. Like when you go to a shopping mall and you expect that you can sit down with your kids or nieces or nephews and not be bombarded by F-bombs surrounding you. Patients left due to the vulgarity of the other patients last night. We have sick, vulnerable persons, children of the elderly in the waiting room next to someone who is potentially intoxicated by meth and alcohol. We have signs all over that say physical or verbal abuse will not be tolerated. I was called multiple expletives loudly in the waiting room on three separate occasions last night. This isn't the first, and I want it to be the last. It's so incredibly frustrating that it appears we don't have ISOs or police office, uh, presence in the department. <clears throat> now, here's a punchline, folks. Here's a quote. I feel so devalued, like in a sense, there is more value placed on meat at Superstore than people who've chosen to make it their careers to help people, as well as patients that are vulnerable and come to us for help. Oh, I had originally written this email on Tuesday and subsequently on Thursday night. I was kicked in the chest by a discharged patient. What the hell is going on? You see what's happened now is by catering to this uh, population of drug addicts, of derelicts, Oh, this horrible language to use about other human beings. 
The truth hurts. These are people who are unable to function in civil society. And even when they come to civil society and ask for help, which they get for free, they not only act entitled, they act, terrible thing to say, like animals. Oh, that's a terrible thing to say about somebody who kicks a nurse in a chest. No, it isn't. How can you say that about people that swear so much and so loudly in a waiting room that sick, normal people leave? This was posted on Facebook. I'm going to go back to the... to. Uh, there's two streams of comments. It was posted on Facebook, but there's also some comments from another, uh, another place online where this uh, was uh, reposted by someone. That line about meet at Safeway is a real eye-opener. It's clear we need to have police presence in hospital waiting rooms or at least on site. Some will argue it could keep marginalized folks from seeking care, but enough is enough. And yet that's true. Right? Oh, the presence of police make marginalized people feel tough crap. Nobody cares how marginalized people feel when they come to an emergency room seeking help. As long as they're treated like Brian Sinclair and the clipboard gets lost. As long as they're in the queue, they should meet certain basic standards of conduct and behavior. This comment went on, we as citizens should be able to seek medical care without worry of violence, and those in medicine, in medicine should be able to work in a safe environment. Next comment. My wife works at HSC as a nurse. I know. When she goes to work on her ward, she will experience physical and verbal abuse from patients. These problems are exacerbated by the street drugs. <clears throat> Listen to this. These problems are exacerbated by the street drugs that patients are allowed to leave for hours with open wounds to obtain or are brought in by guests. Are people smoking crack and meth inside the hospital? Are they injecting themselves inside the hospital? Oh, 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 right. Harm reduction. But here's a prime example, and I talked about this as it pertained to uh, needle return rates and the so-called harm reduction policies. Going back to 2019, the only person in the Winnipeg media that discussed this at the time, this is the harm reduction ideal. Well, at least they're supervised in case they, you know, suddenly uh, have an aneurysm, have a, you know, stroke out, OD. But this is causing harm to other patients and causing harm to the nurses and causing harm to the staff, the, the, the ward clerks, whatever, and causing harm to the doctors. Because we put drug addicts, derelicts, bums, people who will never, have never amounted, and I'm not talking about every drug addict out there. <clears throat> I'm well familiar from personal experience of friends of mine, people I've known, that people fall off a wagon. But many, many, many of these examples that these people are citing are from an underclass that has never wanted to fit in, never felt they needed to fit in, and don't feel that the standards of society should apply to them, including don't kick your nurse. This husband going on to say, I know that by now that nothing will be done to correct her working conditions. Hello, Wap Canoe. Hello. I've asked her to refuse unsafe working conditions, but our healthcare professionals aren't ready to abandon patients to protect themselves just yet. 
This has been going on to say I encourage all healthcare workers to use the laws put in place to protect you in these instances. There's a clear and defined path to resolution that must occur when you refuse unsafe working conditions and they provide a link. And this got me, got my attention. It's a gov.mb.ca, Government of Manitoba link. Asset underscore library. But the important part is coronavirus. Workplaces right to refuse dangerous work. Maybe these nurses just have to claim, no, I'm concerned about catching coronavirus in the ER and refuse to work that way. As a husband of an HSE staffer, this fellow says, please, please begin to refuse work under the current conditions. I would like to know that my wife doesn't have to enter another room to be berated, and boy, is that putting it mildly, by guests, guests, and hit and spat at by patients while she guesses what street drug she's trying to work with. Now, at HSC, there are security guards, and I've known some of them, and they have been stabbed by needles and suffered all sorts of of, of trouble. And then when they try to enforce a little bit of law and order uh, and, and, and maintain the peace, they get hit with all sorts of spurious allegations of racism and other such nonsense. Another comment. I have no I have sympathy for drug addicts, the impoverished and the homeless. I have no sympathy for anyone who's abusive, violent, or antisocial. My son was on a bus this oh, my son was on a bus this week when a fellow passenger next to him decided to smoke some meth. Is this what we've come to where we're expected to accept things like this as normal? Yes, welcome to the third world. If there aren't standards of behavior, we aren't doing anyone any favors. <clears throat> now, from the Mandel Nurses Union. Facebook page comment this would not be tolerated any other workplace not only does it affect nurses but further traumatizes patients who would want to become a nurse when these are the working conditions seriously we are allowing this to happen in our civilized socialized healthcare system we should start by fixing this right now it isn't complicated as a healthcare aide this is a second comment from someone else as a healthcare aide I was floated all over the hospital this is the reason when I became a nurse I chose to work on a locked unit and so the decay that I described uh, at the end of November in the St. Boniface Hospital Emergency Room, again, whether this emergency room being described, I think most people figured this was HSC as opposed to St. B. Uh, doesn't seem like the Grace has the, this, and it might be, you know, because of the location way out in West Winnipeg, that they don't get the kind of inner city problems, let's call it, that you see at the remaining emergency rooms that are functioning. Uh, and also you hear about the, the crowding, uh, overcrowding at Seven Oaks, a total collapse, bleeding staff. And whereas there are people that present in emergency rooms that should otherwise go to urgent care, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The whole questions about uh, how to flow patients uh, and uh, the, the, the actual workings of our healthcare system, two things are apparent. Number one, top heavy with bureaucrats who don't earn their pay. And number two, an inability of governments at all levels to protect people working in hospitals and protect the people who go to hospitals in a safe and, and or sober condition needing help. Just wait till the first time somebody dies because they left an, an ER because the atmosphere was so threatening that they felt endangered. Just you wait. Because that's going to happen sometime soon, maybe even this winter. 
Back to wrap up this episode of The Great Canadian Talk Show after this short break. The Great Canadian Talk Show is brought to you by The Hive Hair Company. From classic to funky, the styles of your life are at The Hive in the heart of the Osborne Village at 175 Osborne. Call 452-4483 or online thehivehaircompany.com. Do you have a comment, story tip, or want to advertise or support The Great Canadian Talk Show podcast? Email tgcts1 at gmail.com. Join the Facebook group or follow us on Twitter at TGCTS. You have the power. Back to wrap up the the program, uh, this podcast, and uh, uh, clocking this one in right now by my count to just around a half hour, which I think is an ideal uh, ideal methodology for this topic. If you have tips about what's going on in the healthcare system, about what's going on with our buses and transportation system, about other things going on at City Hall, and I know that uh, last week at City Hall, the Human Rights Committee uh, was rather shocked to uh, hear certain ideas put forward towards them about uh, the nature of human rights having been violated and breached in this city and in this province. Uh, there's other topics that traditionally I covered from my you know prior careers. Those of you that aren't familiar perhaps with my own background, but in my 20s, uh, I was by far at the time the youngest person involved in what was then called, uh, 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 you know, what Marl used to do, Mental Association for Rights and Liberties, and now they don't do it because they're a totally woke, useless organization. Uh, back when human rights meant something, and it really referred to civil rights, I was one of the youngest people, the youngest person involved, making speeches at city council a number of times in the earliest incarnation of the Mayor's Race Relations Committee, which I have maintained what we need is not a human rights committee, which is just nonsense, but what we need is a race relations, because that is where uh, a lot of the divisions are taking place now, motivated by the progress, so-called progressive left, by far left radical radicalization. Uh, so I have an extensive background, as well as my own background in the in transportation sector, in in broadcasting, in media, in sports, in the hotel hospitality uh, industries. Uh, done various kinds of consulting work for companies in technology fields, etc. Troubleshooting for landlords. So I have a vast background in a lot of different areas. And if you have any stories you want to relate, any tips you want to bring forward, then by all means, contact me, martygoldlive at gmail.com, and I'll do what I can to look into it. That's very much a function of revenue in, and that provides me the time to be able to do this kind of work. Uh, so I, just to be clear, I still do my best to pick up uh, other kinds of work, short-term consulting contracts, etc., and I'm open to those if any of you have such, a, such an opportunity or need or know of it. But my preference is, as through the election campaign, which was pretty close to fully funded uh when i can devote myself to the public good and the public interest that is my calling and uh i don't have a lot of years left at this i want to make it pay off and we cover things again that nobody else covers whether it's uh, the indoctrination of school children uh by radicalized curriculum and and agendas whether it's the uh exposing of, of not just Jew-hating, but these people hate Christians. They hate all infidels. They hate capitalism. They're happy to take jobs that are government-funded or taxpayer-funded, but then they rail about how the system is wrong and, and you, know, we're all, you know, we've seen what decolonization means. Butchery of innocent civilians. 
Hamas continuing to be exposed as using UN schools, UN teachers holding kidnapped children, branding kidnapped children with the hot exhaust of a motor. Has the media told you about that when the hot exhaust motorcycle used to brand two brothers in case they ran away? Oh, the media's not telling you that. Oh, I will. It may sound old-fashioned, but I was raised to know right from wrong. And I was trained by the likes of Yoram Hamizrahi, who himself was commander of Israeli forces in southern Lebanon in a tumultuous time. And who quit because he disagreed with the policies and practices of Ariel Sharon. So it's not like I was brought in a lot of this activist uh, and uh, and journalism uh, that I learned through the 1980s by a guy who was some sort of, uh, you know, far-right hawk. I understand all sides of these equations. I also understand right from wrong, as I said. And I'm going to continue to do this work. I'm counting on your support. $100 down, 1700 to go. It's not an insurmountable mountain from now to the end of December. Do your part. And please... Begin to share these podcasts. We've got a lot of important information that we put out in November. Just in November. Will a downtown drug injection site be safe? I looked at the St. James homicide and went through the evidence. When that, uh, in that, uh, dr- uh, wasn't even a drive-by shooting. The guy was trying to drive away. South Osborne, the residents there, panning the uh, the plan now approved by the city to change the zoning bylaws, which still has the potential to be disastrous. I alone explain how the high school strike for Palestine plan was the next wave of Winnipeg's anti-Semitism, the indoctrination of children. Before the free press reported, I talked about how the lights are out all over Winnipeg, and they continue to be out right around the Manwin Hotel, right around the Salvation Army on the Main Street Strip. As mentioned in this podcast, the chaos in the St. Boniface emergency room. You heard it here first. Elon Musk criticizing the Children's Hospital Foundation. The only place you've heard that in Winnipeg has been on the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast. The Abby Khan story. Uh, him and, and Mr. Pershot uh, having signed a letter they shouldn't have signed for somebody who was just plainly a Jew hater. No, no, uh, there's no way of saying, oh, she's pro-Palestine. I mean, that's not what it was about. And he's taking flack for it. And I'll get into that in an upcoming episode. Just November, look at all that unique content that we were able to bring to you here on the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast. And you can find every episode on actionline.ca. Step up. Help us meet those costs. Get us through this year. And we're going to take a good run at next year. And oh yes, in about a week's time, because I know you've been, some of you have been waiting for it. Going to have news about not one, but two of the city's bike lane plans. Actually, come to think of it, three. It's going to be a troika. Oh, can I say that? Or does that make me a Russian agent? It's going to be a troika. Going to be talking about three different bike lane plans. One of which you haven't heard about yet, but I have. And I'll be giving you all the goods on that. That'll be in about a week's time. And so, as I said, please share this. Uh, may, you know, I usually don't say this, but subscribe to the podcast so that when it comes out, you get it instantly. Share it. This is the only alternative media in Winnipeg right now. They're all bought and paid for. There's some good reporters. 
There's the occasional good or interesting story that comes out. But these newsrooms are compromised. These newsrooms are... The, the feds are planning to subsidize favored. They are looking at a plan to subsidize favored, meaning if you come from the right kind of minority group, and believe me, Jews aren't part of it, with an extra $45,000 in direct subsidies. And they're already going to subsidize favored newsrooms. If you make $85,000 a year, they're going to subsidize almost 30000 of that. You're going to have an army, literally an army of Trudeau-subsidized reporters out there labeling anybody who doesn't agree with them, whether it's Rebel News or True North or Keen Bexley or anybody else in the country that isn't aligned with them, that isn't belling up to the trough, they're going to call people, they call people like me, far right, right wing, screw off. As of October 7th, thanks to Hamas and the thousands upon thousands of people and organizations that crowed about liberating the lands and this is resistance, I'm now a moderate. And there are a lot of people from the NDP and from the Liberal Party traditionally that are coming towards this kind of a center. We don't have to agree on everything. We have to agree on certain principles. A civil society. Cracking down on terrorist supporters. Upholding the traditions of the Judeo-Christian ethic. Keeping our hospitals, our healthcare workers, our transportation workers, our grocery store clerks safe. Holding judges accountable. Holding the media to account. Putting politicians on the spot. And yes, some year-end interviews with politicians being planned here on the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast. And above all and at all times, I do this work because I recognize and uphold the principle that was drilled into me in my youth. When I first got into this kind of a game and understood how slanted the media was, how they looked to pick up certain favorites and promote certain narratives going all the way back to the 1980s. And I learned from Yorama Mizrahi. And I learned from Nick Turnett. And I learned from many other people. And what I learned was there's one unwavering truth when it comes to public service investigations and reporting. And that's this. You have the power. Actionline.ca. Let's get right down to business. Our launch event exclusive interview with Andrew Marquez of Gem Equities. It looked like we were off to a good start. Then from there on, it was just jumping through hoops. The man who beat the city of Winnipeg in court was awarded $5 million and counting. They try to interfere with his development. And then we just realized this was essentially a game. Here, Andrew Marquez tell his story. This planner had a meeting with Councillor Orlico, and Councillor Orlico said, slow down the plan, basically stop it. On ActionLine.ca. Thanks for listening to The Great Canadian Talk Show. If you want to email Marty, send it to tgcts1 at gmail.com. Or follow him on Twitter at TGCTS.